This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 7, Episode 4, Sepulchers 2. And let's start it off with an announcement. Hey, everybody. I'm going to be on Twitch. Twitch frame. Twitch. Uh, we mentioned this last week, but in case you skipped over it or didn't listen to last week's episode for some reason... <laughs> uh, Addie is going to be featured on RPG Academy's Twitch stream for the show Lawful and Orderly, uh, and that will be next week, Monday, February 5th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so uh, on Monday, when you really want to tune in to watch me uh, join the members of the Special Visions Unit, go to www.twitch.tv slash the RPG Academy to watch me play for a couple of hours. It's going to be great. I'm really excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the only announcement we have. So let's go ahead and move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hi. is about Series 7, Episode 3, If You Dare. Fun little uh, episode. Uh, took, took a minute to, to get off the ground. You know, we, we had to sail back to Nikki and Mara, talk to Galatis and everything, and then we went dungeon diving. <laughs> <laughs> and like any good dungeon, uh, it started off with a cool little riddle slash poem uh, that actually had a little bit of uh, history to it out of this episode, which was um, we in the in uh, in the session zero episodes that were lost uh, right at the beginning of them uh, when we got the first icon, it kind of projected this this Sirneth poem, uh, and of course Mateo was like, "I'm gonna translate it," and I remember you being like, "Okay." Uh, you start working on it. I'm not going to have you roll. I'll just tell you when you're done. Um, which I thought was kind of a, a neat trick because it, it meant like you could just, you know, have him be done whenever it was appropriate for the plot, uh, which happened to be this episode. So like right before we recorded this episode, you're like, Hey, by the way, here's the poem. You're done translating it now. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of reasons why I did that. The first reason is, is that things take time. Even if you're the best translator in the world and you're, you know, bilingual or trilingual or whatever, it takes you time to get uh, translation, right? So that was one thing that I really thought was important. Um, another thing was uh, production-wise, I wanted that poem to be in the main content of the series. So I didn't want it to get left for our listeners to find in the bonus ap episodes after it was applicable um, before we lost them. Um, so it was a pretty good thing that I did wait, but also um, I did it for a very specific reason uh, that has more to do with uh, my GMing style, which is I had a really 
good idea of what I wanted the poem to say and where I wanted it to lead you guys and where I still want it to lead you guys. But um, I also wanted it to feel applicable. I didn't want it to be sort of like these cute rhyming couplets that led you away from where you want you wanted to go or uh, in a different direction than I felt the story was going. So in this particular instance, uh, I wanted to um, delay giving you guys the the text of the poem because I wanted it to feel like it fit with a campaign uh, and uh, who you guys were as a team. I think this is a, a really good tool in the GM's toolbox. I don't suggest that you... Uh, a GM would always do this, but when things are important but n- don't uh, don't need to happen immediately, you can kind of take that breath um, and really decide like, hey, he- here's a magic item. It's really cool. You know, it's really cool. You have no idea what it does yet. You haven't attuned to it, um, and that gives you a way to hear what the player thinks it does. So you hear what they want it to be. (laughs) And then also, um, you know, what the players are going to get into in the future. And so they can actually use this cool magic item that they've given, uh, that you've given them. It's kind of like the next step in the, uh, in what we talked about with the last words of the GM, uh, where you were talking about like opportunities and consequences and how like sometimes you can make them vague so that when, so that you can adapt them to the situation. It's like that, but with like large plot points instead of like little set pieces in one scene. Yeah. Um, it, it is definitely like part two to that conversation. Um, I know that, um, it, uh, at least at my table, it's always felt really good when, uh, For me, when the players um, get excited to figure out what a poem says or what a riddle's answer is or uh, what a magic item does, especially when there's a magic item that I really want to give a party or a particular character um, or a really powerful gun if there's no magic in your world. But um, I don't want uh, that to over level or over or or make the um character super powerful because they have this really cool thing that I gave them. Um and so you can give them the cool thing and that in itself is a reward. And then when they figure out how to use it or what it does, then it's like a secondary reward. So it's the gift that gives twice a lot of times. And I can speak uh from the from the player's perspective of it. It is really neat to like get a thing and know that like it's a mystery that will be solved uh moving on and one of the one of the uh key parts of that is like when you as a gm give those out you often tell us the players like i'm not going to have you roll on this uh you're working on it and it will be resolved in the future you you manage to communicate to us so we don't just sit there in that specific scene and try to beat our heads again against it uh and then also because then like you know, we're always waiting for the moment when you go, also that thing you have in your pocket hums and we're like, Oh shit, it's time. Let's do it. Uh, or, or like, also you finished, uh, you know, uh, solving the poem here it is. And you hand us a piece of paper and we're all really excited to read through it, uh, and like try to figure out the next step in that puzzle. So, uh, uh, it's, uh, I can confirm player's perspective, very, very, uh, fun GM trick to, to encounter. 
But uh, that's enough on that topic, I believe, for now. Hopefully some food for thought for uh, you GMs out there. Uh, I want to know what your favorite part was as the GM for last episode. So my favorite part as the GM was the... um, the the daring door, if you will, <laughs> um, mostly because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how cautious you guys were going to be. Um, and so I had to come up with a bunch of fluid situations. So uh, for me, I was really thrilled when it was uh, two of you went in on as a single and then two of you went in as a pair. Um, and then, of course, uh, cryptic things that make no sense uh, are like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> uh, so what about you? What was your favorite scene? Uh, mine was uh, a little bit Earlier in the episode, uh, it was when we were in the doldrums and uh, the Caligula pulls up beside us and Amboise is there. Um, I I love the Amboise and Mateo rivalry mostly because it's just really funny hearing Sean go, Amboise. (laughs) Uh, But I I loved the the fact that Mateo was still suffering from the poison, so his face was like super puffy and unrecognizable. It made me think of that scene in Harry Potter when uh, some Death Eaters like capture him, but uh, he gets hit with like a... A stinging curse that makes his face like unrecognizable. I love that. Like near the end of the scene, right after we got out of the doldrums, then that's when Amboise was suddenly like, "Hey, wait a second! Oh my god, you look fucking awful, huh? This is hilarious!" And then they're like trying to banter with each other as two ships are passing away from each other. Ah, it was great. I, I got a kick out of it. <laughs> but we're still in this sort of uh, dungeon, and uh, I'm really interested to see where it goes. So let's move on in to. Series 7, Episode 4, Sepulchers 2. Enjoy! I am Bastion Corazon. I hail from the Castilian city of Odysseus, home of the duelist tournament known as the Festival of Swords. Watching swordmasters all over the world compete inspired me at a very young age to take up the blade. Once I was old enough, I joined the Explorer Society as a means to travel to Avalon and study under the masters of the Skaldas Klisa style. However, earning entry to the Duelist Guild was not enough for me. I have spent nearly two decades since traveling the world, testing my blade against masters and villains alike. Most recently, I have found myself aboard a pirate ship, accompanying a man I consider a brother, Goodbrand Strandbella, on his journey to Numa to uncover lost artifacts. One day I hope to truly master the way of this sword, unlock its secrets, and eventually settle down and found a duelist academy to teach a style of my own making. Until then, I will continue to travel the world and learn what I can the way I know best. Crossing blades with skilled duelists brave enough to face me. Good friend Strandavella, and it is very good to meet you. Please don't be too alarmed from my appearance. I am a Skald Vala, a keeper of runes, a finder of lore, a protector of the legacy of Vestan Manavanyar. This may seem like a lofty title, but I promise modern Vestans appreciate far more the achievements of their fighters and their merchants. With the founder of a notable merchant's guild for a father and a mother whose dueling skills are renowned across Thea, I have quite a bit to live up to. 
Nothing made this more clear than my parents' obvious adoration of Bastian. Today I call him brother, but when my mother first took him into our home for training, I admit my jealousy of his easy demeanor and obvious skill with the weapon. It was this skill that cemented us as a team, working for our respective societies. For the first time, he has taken me away from my home country on a path that may lead me to the fabled 13th rune, and with it, the immortality of my name. Ahoy, I am Captain Kirill Tikpentimovich, strongest man in there. <laughs> you believe? <laughs> Maybe strongest. Who is to say? My past is unimportant. Now, I am captain of the iceberg. She is a very good vessel, silent as the grave, and sturdy enough to sail in dangerous waters others won't follow. Excellent for smuggling. I make certain modifications myself after I steal her from Atabian Trading Company, not Kirill's biggest fans. About two years ago, I am finding Stowaway, uh, who is nephew of Vodachi Merchant Prince, a man who hires me to smuggle relics. The boy is young, but sharp as tattoo needle. He pays Kirill well to pocket artifacts he likes uh, before they are reaching uncle, and so we are in business. However, coin is not enough. Everyone I am allowed to sailing on the iceberg has their uses. <laughs> Matteo di Caligari, at your service. You may have heard of me. Certainly my uncle is a merchant prince of Odachi, but I am constructing a legacy of my own as a renowned archaeologist for the Explorer's Society. Ever since I was a boy, I have loved to watch my uncle's smugglers deliver ancient artifacts from all over the world. As I matured, I loved even more to skim a few off the top for my own personal study. At 13, my uncle took notice of my mental, if not material, acquisitiveness and sent me to University and Lyceum in Castile, from which I graduated in a prodigious two years, making only minimal enemies in the process. After the completion of my studies, instead of returning home on Capitano Kirill's vessel, I stowed away to sail straight to the source of my desires, the occult ruins of the mysterious Sirneth. By age 16, our mutually profitable arrangement brought us to Vestin Minavignar, where the Explorer Society connected us with the duelist Bastian, the Valle Skald Gudbrand, and a lead that would change the course of our fates forever. The last time we left our heroes, they had secured passage into the labyrinthian undercity of uh, Nikiyamara and were led through the necropolis to the entrance. Uh, they entered, the door was shut behind them, and uh, they proceeded to travel down a very long hallway, uh, at the end of which was a door. Uh, and this door obviously magical in nature, led them to seemingly different paths based on the message the door gave them. We find them now having all descended into darkness. And so, uh, Bastian. Yes. You have descended into a well of darkness, um, having thrown a coin, then a torch, and then decided to descend yourself into this well, uh, not one of my better ideas, but I did not see any other option. Uh, you descend for quite some time, uh, 
eventually you hear a tink and then you hear a oh that is not good coming from below you well i suppose i continue to go down now knowing that there is in fact a floor to this well at some point okay good friend yes good friend is here you are startled awake uh as a coin falls on you ah. moments later a torch falls from the sky. Thor, <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Uh, and uh, then a rope. Hello? Descends from the ceiling. Hello? Is somebody there? Do I hear him? Yes. I, uh, I shout down. Uh, a good brand. Bastian? You're down inside this well? D- yes. Didn't we go through the same door? Well, yes, but I did not see you when I got there. I didn't see you either, so I don't know if that explains it, but... Uh... Well, I'm coming down to you. Okay, I will stay here. I continue to climb down. Gutbrand, as you uh, wait for Bastion, you realize that you are not in the same room that you took your nap in. Is the bed still there? No, actually, the cot is also missing. Was I just sleeping on the floor? The memory is hazy. <laughs> You you think in uh, in your semi waking state that you were definitely on a cot, but now you can't right what, rightly remember. This room is almost pitch black, save for the light of the torch, which is uh, dim at best as it burns on the floor. I, I, I pick it up before it burns all the way out. Okay, it doesn't take much longer before uh, Bastian joins you the room itself is uh has three corridors attached to it uh there's one slightly to the left one slightly to the right and one down the center i look over to goodbrand um this is a bit outside of my area of expertise uh what do you recommend (laughs) well um with no frame of reference i don't even really know what direction i'm facing uh I think at this point, I, there are no markings, no, it's just, what no, color other walls? Are they stone? Uh, yeah, they're rough hewn stone. But uh, as far as I can tell, each path is more or less identical. Yes. I think we might have to just rely on luck for this one. Uh, um, I'm going to shout down the halls uh, for Mateo, Captain Kirill. Um Mateo, 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 Captain Kirill, Captain Kirill, Captain Kirill. Exactly. Uh, Your shouts echo and come back to you threefold as uh, they uh, echo down each hallway. Uh, Captain Kirill and Mateo, as you back away from your hall of gold and treasures um, and you are uh, engulfed in darkness, you hear a call from behind you. Mateo, 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 Mateo. Captain Kirill, 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 Was that you? Uh, no, fortunately that was not me, but that sounded like Bastian. Oh, we're somewhere behind, I turn. Yes, we have to find them because they did not promise not to take anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have out of my moonstone amulet. I think we will wander in the darkness toward the voices. But stumbling and bumbling. <laughs> oh, wait. I make small pile of rocks by where we were so we can feel around and know where Gold Room is later. <laughs> okay. 
Um, well, Bastien, I have no reason to believe any of these are any better. It's not like anybody called back to us or anything. So <laughs> let's just try the center one, I suppose. Yes, I, I believe so. And I, I take the, I'll take the torch and I will walk down first. Sure, I'll follow. So what you're walking through is uh, what begins as like rough hewn um, small rooms uh, eventually turn into large, very tall cavernous rooms, um, one after the next, after the next, with piles of like detritus and, and rubble uh, in the corners um, as you go. Are they just open to the corridor, like a fresh open doorway? Or are they closed off? And we have to look in to see. There, uh, it's just an open. It's just an open hole, basically, into into these more finished rooms. Sure, but none of them actually seem to have a purpose. Just a bunch of junk in the corner. No, they're differently sized and shaped. Uh, some have more than one room attached um, to them. Others have only the one. Um, as you go. Interesting. There seems to be an abandoned area of the catacombs. There's nothing really of any significance apparently here. Well, the... Matteo was saying the Crescent Empire, uh, like, leveled the Niki Amara and then built on top of it, yes? Sure, yes. Perhaps we are in some sort of uh, ruin of like a... Of a, a tenement home or something mm, mm. with all these rooms. Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be anything particularly interesting in the uh, detritus. There's pieces of what might have been pottery or, or stonework, um, but there's just like time has eroded sort of any traces of what the like what the it might have been. Um, there's certainly no like wood or or like papyrus or anything. All right, I suppose we keep going. I'll shout out for Matteo and uh, the Capitan again after a short while. Sure. Uh, Captain Kirill and, and Matteo, you hear very far away a call for uh, uh, of your names. Farther than was before? Yes. Hmm. You, it's If you guys had been chatting, um, there's uh, there's pretty much no way you would have heard it. Uh, we were too busy um, trying to feel our way along walls. It's very dark. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, oh, we should yell back, no? But what if enemy? Hmm. We give away our position. What if you yell very scary things? I like this. <laughs> Ghosts and skeletons here. <laughs> <laughs> Turn away unless you are friends of Captain Kirill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure that will do. <laughs> Boo! Boo! <laughs> which one of us is the ghost and which one is the skeleton? Uh, we both have both of these things. <laughs> there are ghosts and skeletons here. Yeah, you you get a sort of garbled, echoey message of... of Ghosts and skeletons. <gasps> Ghosts, skeletons, Kirill. <laughs> Are they fighting ghosts and skeletons? I didn't know Numa had spirits. 
Well, I suppose we should move towards that sound so we can rescue our friends. Is it coming from behind us or in yes, front of us? Yes. Oh. Well, excellent. Of course, we picked the wrong way to go. If they'd have done it earlier, it would have been very helpful. <laughs> well, they were too busy fighting ghosts and skeletons. Well, we should go help them, I suppose. I double time it back. Once we get to the fork, I will shout out for them again. Uh, you're, you easily reach that point. Mateo! Capitan! Also ghouls! Ghouls, too. I draw, I draw my sword. Scary <laughs> ice and werewolves. That's right. Yes, very scary things. Only friends should come close. Oh, I see how what they are doing. This is dangerous place for not friends. <laughs> I sheath my sword. <laughs> they really shouldn't invoke the power of spirits. They could really get into trouble doing that. Well, you can tell them all about it when we find them. All right. Which way does it seem we should go? Uh, to the right. Ah. We go to the right. The right we go. Kirill and, and Mateo, you see a torch coming, bobbing toward you. Do you think this is a ghost or a skeleton? Are you a ghost or skeleton? Neither. Both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well said, good friend. <laughs> this way, this way, we found, we found the most miraculous treasures. Oh, yes, we need your help. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I only found a purple room with a bed in it, so this sounds very interesting. Oh, there is powerful magic at work, I am sure. Mm. I got a well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's fair. I also touched the bed, so I don't think any of us did very well. You were surrounded by a, a magical room that was creating itself as you lived in it, and you jumped in a hole and went to sleep? <laughs> I couldn't touch anything else. Well, there will be plenty for you to touch this way. Come, come. I lead the way with the torch. You you walk for a while. Uh, eventually, you get to Captain Kirill's rock pile. This is the place. <laughs> this is a landmark. Where is where is door? I start feeling around the wall again. I don't think there's a door anywhere. Where did, did where did it go? It was right here. I swear it was. We both saw it. It was right here. Perhaps it was an illusion similar to uh, what happened to uh, Goodbrand. Yes, I thought that might be true, but I really wanted it not to be. See, that's why I did not touch anything. <laughs> Nothing in here is probably true. This is yes, that is. Uh, it's good job following my advice. Yes. Bastian, <laughs> <laughs> did you just come to something quicker than Matteo did? Is it possible? That's very impressive. I said, I said illusion. I said it. <laughs> I mean, we all know Matteo is is a slave to his whimsy. This is what? true. <laughs> what language is? I do not know this one. <laughs> Actually, it's not one I know either. Is this something you're familiar with? He knows what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and I start walking whatever way I can walk. I suppose let's continue to explore. Um, sure. So this corridor seems to go on for a while, uh, or you could go back the way you came to the to the room of rooms, or you could try the left path. Uh, I will continue down this path for a while and see what is at its end or if there is another room. Uh, I, I have no reason to think we should go back to the fork. Okay. Um, so you go down this path for a decent amount of time. And uh, finally, it comes to a narrow set of stairs that spiral down. Down we go, yes. I don't see any other option. I lead the way down. Okay. Uh, so you head down the spiral stairs uh, and only a few rotations down. Um, there's a very tall door. 
Are these actual stair and door or steel stones? The door is made of wood and metal. Mm. The doorway and the stairs are, are still stone. Okay. Oh, yes. Another door. I suppose we try to open this one. You say it's big. How big? Um, it's, mu- it's probably twice your height, uh, but the same width as a normal door. It's a very tall door. It, does, it doesn't seem like something I will struggle to open. No, as long as the, ru- the hinges aren't rusty. Okay, I put my hand nearby the handle. Well, everyone stay in contact so we don't get separated. Oh, that's right. When Captain Kirill and I went through that door, we were touching each other and we went through together. As friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I reach back and uh, I touch uh, Gubran's hand. Uh, I reach back and I grab Captain Kirill's arm. I reach back and ruffle Matteo's hair. <laughs> Don't stop ruffling. And I <laughs> uh, and I, I touch the handle of the door. You do. Uh, it seems like a normal handle of a door. Okay, then I use it. Okay. Uh, you have to sort of um, force it a little bit. It's old and out of use. Uh, but you um, push your way through it, and um, it opens up uh, between two columns. It looks like this was a hidden passage of some kind, considering that it is the the entire width between the two columns and the, t- the height of the room. And does not look like door from this side? It doesn't look like a door from this side. Oh. Ah, a secret door from the other side. This what is the room we are in? You uh, look around uh, and... This room is huge. Similar dimensions in general to the uh, to Galatus's palisade. This has a high counter that comes basically to eye level um, on uh, Gutbrand and Captain Kirill. Uh, it's it's exceedingly large, uh, and and you can't rightly see what's on this sort of ledge up top. Does it look like it might be a church? No. Uh, well, there's no there's no altar per se. There, it's it's there's not pews or or something like that. Are there other uh, exits? Yes, there is an uh, a equally proportioned door on the other side of the room uh, that is open uh, out towards elsewhere, I guess. Uh, perhaps I was wrong in my initial thought just by the uh, entrance down into these uh, these catacombs. This looks like Sirneth construction after all. It's much larger than uh, uh, something that would... Uh, the other things we've seen in this catacomb that might be made for human size. Yes, the dimensions look about right. <laughs> Bastion, I give you a leg up. Sounds good. A handy torch to good brand. Okay. Um, so you uh, jump uh, jump up with some help from Captain Kirill. And this, uh, it it is just a f- smooth, flat surface. Uh, there seems to be a basin uh, down towards one end. There's a odd-looking sword or something uh, resting near the basin. Could this have been an... Ancient Sirneth Dining Hall? I suppose it's as feasible as anything. Uh, here, Gubrand, uh, you come up next. Uh, I reach down to pull Gubrand up. 
Uh, I passed the torch. Or do I bring the torch with me? I'll, I'll bring the torch with me. Give me a hand, uh, if you could, Captain Kiro. Yep, absolute. And then with Goodbrand's help, I believe the two of us might be able to pull Captain Kiro up. Oh, I can climb if you like. <laughs> we can help. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at the bottom of the... Uh, of the counter, like jumping up and trying to grab the ledge. <laughs> I, I'll put the hand down for Matteo and swing him up. <laughs> Is this sword a uh, human sized or large giant sword? It's a Sirneth knife. Let her open her. Uh, this isn't necessarily a, a, a sword like anything you've seen. Um, it does have um, an extended handle um to it and there's there's no cross guard about half of the width or half of the length of the blade is is this um is is the handle and then the tang is is the rest but it's sort of like curved a little bit um and very very long it is a sirneth steak knife or perhaps Ritual sacrifice? I am not certain. Does the large basin uh, seem proportional to be like a bowl for this knife? It, the basin is sunken into the counter. Um, so uh, it it doesn't have like a, a drain at the bottom or anything um, that you can see. This sword thing um, would definitely fit in it um, just um, is there dust on these things or any signs of use? Everything is covered with a with a heavy covering of like dirt mm. or or dust. I am um, brush off the sword and the rim of the basin, looking for the telltale signs of uh, Sarneth writing. There's there's no uh, etchings or writings around uh, or on the knife. Uh, around the basin, there is some. Um, I guess you would call it etchings. Definitely some, some, um, like an inscription around the, uh, where the lip, uh, is. Sure. I, um, take out my, uh, chalk and copy it onto my slate. Yeah, sure. Uh, so as you copy the words down onto your slate, it becomes a little easier to read once you realize where it actually starts. Um, and, uh, the the exact translation escapes you, but um, the the sense is that the, it has a uh, prayer to uh, Dithyrambos, which uh, you guys know is the god of plenty. Oh yes, there's the island of Aphira in Numa. They they love this god, and they throw very good parties. So I hear. Yes, I know you're very angry that we didn't stop there, but. We didn't have any evidence that that we needed to go there. This is maybe the first thing that I would count that this is one. <laughs> one maybe clue to, to take us there. There we go. That's all I need. We've gone on less so far. Oh, you did not just. I, can, I continue down the way. <laughs> Truly, we are each other's greatest enemies. <laughs> Uh, so we're li- we're leaving the uh, the uh, artifact. It, oh, uh, is this something we might be able to carry? This large sword knife. Oh, uh, yeah. It would be unwieldy for anybody but um, either Captain Kirill or uh, Gudbrand to carry, um, just for its sheer length. Uh, but you could carry it, certainly. Sadly, I have no need of it. <laughs> 
I think it gives us insight into perhaps the the worshiping uh, uh, rituals Excellent. of this. Yes, you take, you take, you take, you take. I'm absolutely interested in studying this more, and I also uh, on my slate take a sketch of the basin and the uh, original arrangement before I move anything. Sure. Uh, thank you for writing that down. The context is very important. I think with a a basin with counters, a knife, and a prayer to the god of plenty. I think this all but confirms my hypothesis that this is where the Sirneth once died. <laughs> you are the expert. I know. <laughs> we must see what else they li- what, what else they did in their lives. Uh, we soldier on, yes. It's this, this table, uh, uh, large platform that we are, there's probably a large table. Is it lead anywhere? Do we see like a large entrance on any of the walls? Can we see the walls from here? There is that big open doorway that leads to other areas. All right. I suppose we want to go that way. Yeah. So you'll hop down. Sure. Uh, without much trouble and uh, head out into the next um, area. Um, as you move into the next area it's um instead of a small basin on an elevated sort of like platform against a wall there's a basin in the next room that's much larger by like four or five that uh, uh is in the center of this this room which is a similar size to the last room um a similar sort of high vaulted ceilings um and there's uh again if you if you um sort of scrape away the the dirt of and and dust of years um you find again a blessing uh to the god of plenty this is perhaps ancient hot tub um sure i think i'm getting the hold of this archaeology business uh i look up at the ceiling okay is there anything on there? Uh, or, or a hole, maybe? Or uh, There was once some kind of uh, design. Uh, you can see, like, little pieces of the ceiling that haven't fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no, there's no hole, mm-hmm. um, actually. The, the ceiling actually um, dips a little bit to a point centered directly over the basin. Could be a bathhouse. It has the design of many, uh, many I have seen the ceiling structures right for it, but right next to the, to the dining, maybe it was customary to clean oneself before eating. Interesting. It could also be a sacrificial area. Here's where you make your sacrifice and you uh, prepare it here and eat it in the dining room in the dining hall. Very possibly. Very possibly. Uh, you are taking down this prayer as well. Yes. Absolutely, I am. And I'm doing it on the other side of my slate. <laughs> uh, they're actually the same prayer. Huh? I feel like you are not giving enough credit to Captain Kirill's hot tub theorem. <laughs> well, it is certainly entered into the record of hypotheses. <laughs> we will certainly examine it later and give it its uh, due. I find next door. Uh, sure. Um, so the next room is again, similarly sized. Um, there is a much more recent, uh, there's evidence of much more recent habitation, uh, here. There is 
what was once a fire or a fire pit of some kind on on the top of like a small mound uh and there uh, are still torn and and like moldy um tents or or shelters of some kind uh that don't look that don't match the decor if you would uh it it uh it looks like someone had sort of made this their home well after the uh whatever these rooms were once used for perhaps the leavings of our predecessors or uh a homeless population wandered into here and made it their their domicile how how old about are, are we talking decades centuries um maybe a decade um there's no way to necessarily tell but the the animal or whatever was made up the tents uh is um moldy but not gone uh so you're not talking about you know uh a century i will peer inside a tent uh it is the first skeleton you found i knew it what 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 did you know what did you find go send skeletons oh (laughs) oh oh i see yes this is uh I suppose the darker side of archaeology, but I think you're right. Yes, that uh, someone before us has come here and, well, been pushed here for some reason. I loot the tent. Unless you're taking the bones, there's really nothing to take. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's seen all the tents. All the tents have skeletons. Yes, there is one in each tent. Do they have a? Uh clothes with markings? Can we tell where they were from? There are no clothes. Um, they, they or, or, or blankets or packs of any kind. Just, just the skeletons inside a tent. This is very strange. Why would so many people have died all at once at the same time within their own living quarters? They died where they slept. It could have been a raid or Murderers, uh, thieves, uh, apparently. Everything here is gone. Sure. It's possible. This is true. Uh, is there another doorway at the back of this room, or have we reached the end of this? No, there's a, there's a door to the left and then a, and a door uh, out um, to uh, straight ahead to another room. Maybe we try that leftward door? Sure. I cautiously go through door. This room and uh, the surrounding rooms, as you look, um, look even more recently inhabited. But you find the same pattern of um, tents and skeletons. And does this room uh, come to an end or does it continue on? This pattern goes for... um, a while in, in sort of like both directions as you go out and there are more and more rooms. Um, but eventually uh, there are fewer and fewer tents in every room. And then until finally uh, the, the rooms are empty just with a little bit of detritus and, uh, and dust and rubble. And all of the tents, they have skeletons in them? Yes. Either this was a systematic murder or it was a burial system. We might just be in an open cemetery. It's possible. No rooms seem uh, significantly different sized than others or lead to 
areas that are remarkably different? The rooms change slightly. Uh, there is, um, you know, perhaps there there is a, a tent of like or six tents or two tents, and then also like the number of columns changes in the room, and the shapes are, you know, a little longer or a little shorter. Um, the the rooms are are not exactly the same. There is a variance, but it's not necessarily remarkable as as you make sort of this like n- network of square homes or not homes but rooms. Mm. I think there is nothing more to find that we are looking for in this uh, in this area. I agree. These are certainly not Serenith ruins. No, and uh, in a, as much as they tell us about what happened here uh, recently we must remember what we are looking for here yes none of these skeletons happen to have a key on them do they they don't now we are looking for a darkened cell Hmm. which is pretty much everywhere in here i believe well if it is a cell then it would not easily be traversable you couldn't just walk in and out of a cell it would be perhaps barred or or locked well, the the word is uh, malleable. It could also be a cell like a monk's cell. I suppose this is true. Um, so these these this room full of tents and skeletons, all these rooms, they they eventually come to like a dead end, right? We don't we don't have any more anywhere more to explore down this path. The direction you were initially traveling in uh, in that first room where you came out of the room with the 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 ledge and the and the small basin into the ledge or into the room with the large basin in the center um, that direction eventually ends in a wall um, but the the direction to the left um, does eventually turn into rooms um, with just detritus. Um, if you had to venture a guess, this this looks like some sort of like large living area, like either a palatial home or perhaps a communal living space that might have been divided at one point or another with all these like open doorways. Um, there might have been like curtains or something. Um, it The space looks different enough from another that they could just be distinct rooms or they could be distinct homes with um, sort of no streets. So we can we can go through some of those doors. Yes, you've been traveling through those open doors. Yes. As interesting as the construction of this uh, underground society is, uh, what is a labyrinth without a few wrong turns? I, I feel we should try one of the other paths from... Uh, there was a... You said there was a fork, yes? Yes, uh, we had gone down one a little ways before we realized you were not down it. Uh, and then we came down this way to find you. Ah, well, uh, I think we have gleaned the information that we can from this, uh, this pathway. We but take a second try. It would be very lucky if we were to find it on the first try. Yeah, we make <laughs> our way back to the fork. It will take us some time, but I know the way. I am still nervous that none of these skeletons had clothes or items. Tread lightly. It is a very strange tradition if this was a burial chamber. But if it was a murder, it makes a little more sense. Uh, yeah, so you guys head back past um, Kirill's Rocks and uh, to the uh, fork in the road. 
Um, are you going to choose to go down the path to the center or the path to the right? Just for uh, complete uh, exploration here, a little bit of completionism, the back wall of this room with the fork, it is solid? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this was the room I climbed down to find uh, Goodbrand. Which didn't have a hole in the ceiling when I fell asleep. It also did not... You said it had a bed, and now it does not have a bed. It is very strange. I don't think you fell asleep here. I think you woke up here. Well, didn't... Who moved me? I shrug. <laughs> <laughs> the Sirneth have many ancient magics that obviously linger here, if their illusions still function. Uh, this is one of the mysteries we are here to solve. It's very exciting. <laughs> uh, so we had gone down the middle path for a little bit. Uh, d- did that one seem somewhat promising? or? Um, it was relatively similar to the rooms that you saw with the skeletons in it, um, though the rooms were getting progressively like larger and more open. Um, the ceilings had once had holes in them for light. Interesting. So this may, down this center path, we may get closer to something that is more Sirneth in origin. Um, but we did not find any artifacts or anything interesting in the rooms on the way there. So maybe we should try the left. And then since we know perhaps what the middle path is going toward, we want to cover all our bases. Perhaps the middle path seems the most promising to me if it was a main drag, so to speak, a a temple or some place that they would store something important. I don't know. It appeals to my sense of aesthetics that they would put it in the center. It's entirely possible. We can. uh, But if but if we want to explore more, I I think the it is the left path we have not taken. Yes, correct. Yeah, I, I suppose we can go down the middle. Uh, we already know part of the way, so we do not have to uh, take as much time exploring. Uh, most of those rooms are um, full of just rubble and some broken pottery. So I will lead the way down the middle path. So uh, you head down the middle path, uh, and eventually uh, it opens up. Um, it's hard to tell to what, but the floor texture changes. It's... Um, Flagstone uh, and and um, uh, more instead of uh, just like large slabs, uh, it's more small stones kind of having paved the floor. Um, and uh, it's a much wider, taller space um, than even any other rooms that you've been in. This might be closer to. The center of society. Sorry, I am drawing map. <laughs> no, it's a good idea. You know, we have to make sure we know where we've been. Better than leaving breadcrumbs, for sure. So here is an open room. And what else of note was here? We went down the middle path for this. Oh, we went down... Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I clearly was not paying attention. So it's a long corridor with rooms off to the side that don't have much in them or moving towards a more open area. Uh, the floor is paved with uh, stones rather than just uh, hewn rock. Are we in a city center right now? It seems we are getting closer to that. A piazza, perhaps. I look around. Uh, are there any doors? Uh, anything above us? 
Um, there's nothing of note above you. Um, it just looks like dirt or a cavern, perhaps. Mm. Um, what you do see is to your right and left, there are many doors. And it looks like you're looking at the exterior of buildings. Yes, this part of the city must have once been open to the air. They built over it. Interesting. Well, cities get buried over time. It has happened to many. It is why the profession of archaeology even exists. Um, and these buildings, uh, are they, they are Sirnith in construction, yes? Or it, it looks like at least um, some of them are... Uh Go ho- go ahead, uh, and anyone who wants to can roll wits and notice or uh, wits and scholarship. Let me know what you rolled when you roll. Uh, for wits and scholarship, Matteo has five raises. Wits and notice, two raises with remainder. Uh, wits and scholarship for good brand granted me three raises with one remainder. I rolled wits and notice... Uh, uh, and I only got one race. Okay, so uh, there isn't much to notice. It's it, it's definitely you. The, you're standing on like a road, um, and uh, um, and these are definitely the exterior buildings. It's hard to get a bigger picture in the torchlight uh, because it it only casts so far, and it it begins to like show shadows. Um, but. Uh, Gudbrand and Matteo, you both um, are very certain that these were once Sirnath buildings repurposed um, for the old Numenari uh, to live in and be in. Aha! The end of one life, the beginning of another. One man's trash, as they say. And that is how our society thrives, on the garbage of older societies. But such greatness, such greatness to even their garbage. (laughs) Um, If I were to venture a guess, uh, if we are looking for some mythical key in a cell, uh, getting more into the Numenari old city is probably not the way we want to go. Perhaps not, uh... Unless it was even beneath the Numenari old city. Uh, It it could be on a lower level, perhaps. Um, But if you are suggesting we um, check the path we have not seen yet, I don't think that is a bad idea either. Were there any skeletons in this area? Uh, Any shop fronts where someone was squatting, it looks? Uh, no, the, the most interesting thing uh, that is around here in, in these shop fronts and, and sort of ruined, uh, the ruined old city, uh, is there are, uh, a lot of like relatively intact amphora and, uh, bowls and, and pots, uh, many with lids. Preservation. Maybe just uh, a few minutes. So I'm going to poke around this storefront and uh, open some of these uh, pottery, uh, lidded potteries uh, and uh, look inside these amphorae and see what they might have contained. Cool. Um, so you, you open up one of the, the amphora um, and uh, you see sort of like a, a swirling, like mist 
um, uh, in the bottom. Um, and you hear kind of a... Ghosts! I, I, clamp, I clamp the lid back down. Are you kidding me? You actually found real ghosts down here? I don't know. I found a swirling mist in the bottom of a jug that went to me. All right, you are out of your element. Let me see this. <laughs> I'm just going to go stand over here in this other room. I'm going to stand behind you. <laughs> I'll stand next to Goodbrand. <laughs> uh, Goodbrand looks in. Does he feel any sort of supernatural presence in this jar? You you open up the lid and. Uh, Certainly see the the same picture of a of a swirling mist at the bottom, um, and you and you hear the. Uh, I am not here to disturb you, spirits. I am uh, simply here to learn about this city. Um, please do not harm us. Uh, I am simply trying to gain information, and I tip the amphora on its side and attempt to pour out the mist. I step back just a little <laughs> as he pours it. Sure. I do not draw my blade, but I do have my hand on my blade. Does it sound like he is moving something in this other room? To you, Matteo. Uh, it sounds like he is touching something. I'm, hey, what is this other room? One more room away. I am going to go check on Goodbrand. So you tip the amphora on its side, and the swirling mist is... It pours out onto the floor, um, and it goes. Ah, ah, ah. Good, Brent. Uh, what's going on in here? It sounds like oh, you poured it out. Uh, that should go in the not under the umbrella of not touching rule. <laughs> well, you've already broken it. I figured it was okay. I, I assume we're interrupted. Yeah, right? you are. <laughs> I really wanted to see what you were going to say. Um, <laughs> as you banter back and forth, the shadow sort of come like is lifted up by its shoulder area. Um, <laughs> As it takes more human form, it looks almost like a puppet is being drawn up to stand. And it starts to swirl toward you. I guess we're in an action sequence. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what is... Uh, Kirill, you're actually in the next room, so you don't have to participate. Two rooms over. <laughs> two, excuse me. <laughs> Kirill, you are two rooms over, so... Uh, you are currently not participating in this action sequence unless you would like to. Can I enter in a later round if uh, needed? When the when at the end of the round, when everyone rolls again, you can take a different approach. Okay. Yes, I will not. I am not participate. Okay. What's uh, what is your approach? I am going to try to speak to this spirit and uh, let it know that we are we apologize for disturbing it and we do not wish uh, to make trouble for it. Uh, I'm also going to maybe hold out my uh, uh, that magic amulet of um, Patnia Agroterra. Okay. Uh, Gutebrand is uh, going to assist Matteo uh, using as many languages as he knows uh, to try and communicate with the spirit. I'm also going to have the slate at the ready. My final uh, kind of uh, last-ditch effort will be to read the poem out loud as best as I can, even though Sirnath has no true pronunciation. Yeah, you'll both be rolling... Uh 
panache and convince. Can I argue that I'm using wit since I'm using my knowledge of language? Sure. Um, As they are going to try and uh, speak with the spirit, uh, if it seems to be taking aggressive action towards them, uh, I am going to try and make it focus those those attacks on me. I am not going to draw my sword at first, uh, but I am going to try and place myself in between Mateo and Goodbrand and the spirit and try to uh, make it focus any aggressive emotions it may have towards me, uh, as I am hoping I... uh, I can uh, avoid those better than my friends who are speaking to it. Sure. As they try to pacify it. So uh, you can roll finesse and tempt. Okay. Uh, this seems like an appropriate time to activate my virtue and pull my raises with good brand. Uh, before we roll, this uh, monster does have a fear rating of two. Uh, so you'll be rolling two fewer dice. Um, I am going to activate my virtue. Uh, as they begin to talk to it, uh, and I step in the way, I go, all right, do whatever you're going to do, gentlemen. Don't, uh, do not be afraid. This thing has already died once, and I will use my virtue of comforting to negate the effects of fear for this round. Trying to make it seem like I am not panicking due to the, uh, the idea of this ghost coming towards me. Uh, okay, let's roll. Uh, so, Gutbrand and Matteo, you uh, pulled your raises. Uh, Matteo has five raises. And Gutbrand has two raises with one remainder. Together we are seven. <laughs> and uh, Bastian? I got three. Okay. Um, Matteo and Gutbrand, you are up first. Sure. I think the first order of business is to find out what languages understands. So maybe uh, our first uh, our first effort is to one of us speaks Sirneth and one of us or attempts Sirneth and one of us speaks Old Numanari, uh, and and we see if we can get the spirit to respond to one of us. Sure, absolutely, you can try it. So maybe we spend uh, two raises. I only speak uh, Sirneth, not okay. Old Numanari. Then, then I will do Numanari. Um, I, yes, and I will. I will hold up. My, my angle here is I am holding up the uh, amulet and and saying, um, uh, "We speak your language. We know your culture. We recognize your gods, and we are not here to harm you." And uh, I hold up the knife sword thing in front of me in the same fashion, and I repeat what he says in uh, in my approximation of Cerna. As you begin to speak. Uh... Mateo, it rushes at you and is sort of like bounces off of you um, uh, as your amulet, uh, the moonstone in your amulet sort of pulses a little bit. And then uh, as, as uh, uh, you begin to speak in Old Sirneth Gutbrand, though it doesn't have features, it certainly um, seems less sort of wrathful and more fearful uh, as, it, as it sort of approaches you um, you think perhaps considering that sword knife thing that you're holding as you speak at Sirnath. Uh, I adjust my grip from a presentational grip to a more active uh, sword holding grip. Uh, not in like not as though I'm going to attack it, just in a in a defensive. I am prepared to do something if need be. Uh, you still have the initiative between the two of you. Okay, my next idea then is to. Um get uh, on either side of it uh, with the amphora between us 
and see if we can gently guide it back into where it came from. Absolutely. Maybe it should have stayed in there the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I will switch to Sirnath and... um, I, I think it, your general argument is like, why don't you get back in your amphora and nobody gets hurt? <laughs> we will not bother you Every, any further. Everyone gets to rest. And I set up the amphora upright uh, in kind of the center between us. It'd be a raise each. Yeah, yeah so I, I, will, I will take away two of these raises here. Uh, okay, yeah. So uh, you do that. It begins to sort of float back to its amphora um, and then it, it has like a moment of clarity having having been sort of rebuffed by both the amulet and uh, seemingly afraid of the knife it is going to uh, lunge at Bastion and I'm going to spend a danger point Okay. Uh, as it begins to it, it like reaches down into your throat and and sort of steals the air from your lungs. So you you actually take 12 wounds. All right. Uh, I will As it takes your breath away. Uh, yeah, I will spend all three of my raises to turn that 12 into a 9 so I do not hit my second dramatic wound. That makes sense. As as I uh, as I am and say like trying to make sure it keeps its focus on me as they begin to circle around it, and then immediately regret that decision. <laughs> so having successfully sort of reached uh, into Bastian's uh, lungs and stolen the breath away from him, uh, it will do the same to uh, Matteo, and I will spend another danger point to make that happen. Uh, you. Uh, it uh, is sl- sort of rebuffed at first by uh, the amulet, and and but it powers through, uh, and you will take nine wounds. I will uh, channel my willpower into this amulet I'm holding, and I will prevent it from reaching all the way down my into my lungs, and I'll I'll make it so I take eight wounds instead. Cool. It has the initiative again. So it will, uh, uh, again, to you, Gutbrand, it will uh, reach over the knife as best it can. It is now basically uh, has it lost its humanoid form and it, as it is stretched between the three of you. Uh, and I will spend another danger point to inflict 12 wounds. Sure. As uh, you can barely, like, barely breathe as, as you feel like it's gripping uh, the inside of your lungs. It's uh, been a long time since I've trained with the sword, so I couldn't quite get it up enough to defend myself. These crab tattoos are going crazy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, Gutbrand and uh, Matteo, you have the initiative with two. So, while this spirit is reaching into our very uh, souls to pull out our breath, uh, I think I make eye contact with Goodbrand, and with my left foot, I start scrawling Sirnet runes in like the dust on the floor. Uh, basically, uh, I like write the rune for like be gone or like a, a word of banishment. And maybe we spend both of our last two races to like muster up everything we have and and shout those words, that word, trying to push it back into the amphora. 
Sure, absolutely. I mean, this is just what I'm saying with my eyeballs, but that seems like a good idea. <laughs> um, and I, so I read, I read the runes, and at the same time, uh, we both like raise our heads and nod, and I try to force the air out of my lungs along with the spirit to say this word. Yes. Yeah, uh, you uh, are able to successfully uh, repel it from from. Uh, all of you as you sort of shout the uh, in in the Sirnith in different pronunciations sure. uh, <laughs> uh, and, and sort of like crashing it against the wall um, are you sure that's where that diphthong goes I, I always thought it was more of a <laughs> we really want to be discussing this right now <laughs> no we, we will talk I, I, I put it after the glottal stop I thought well, it made sense I, I, there is definitely a school of thought <laughs> Even when the breath is literally ripped from his lungs, <laughs> it has it has one more um, initiative. Uh, it glows brightly. All right. Okay, we go again. Seeing how this has gone, and not liking the feeling of the spirit inside my throat, assuming Goodbrand will let me take it from his hands, I do want to grab that knife sword. Uh, if you think you can handle it, you're more than welcome to try. It's not my preferred weapon, but I'm, I've trained with many weapons. I'm going to grab the sword. <laughs> as, as, soon as, as soon as Goodbrand does not resist, I grab the sword. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> uh, and I am going to... I've, I've, you know, t- the time for talking is over. Uh, I am going to take this sword and I am going that the spirit seems afraid of, and I am going to try and slay it with the sword. Absolutely. Uh, you can roll finesse and weaponry. Oh. Uh, and you have flair. Uh, Guthbrand uh, realizes that we are up uh, against a, a very ferocious magical force. Uh, it's something that needs to be handled with uh, uh, more than just brute force. So I step back and I prepare a couple of my uh, small flatbread cards uh, with runes on them. Uh, and I am trying to assist uh, Bastian in, in defending uh, defending us against this uh, spirit with a little bit of help from magic. Uh, so that, that will be wits and scholarship. Excellent. Uh, Matteo, uh, also seeing that the time uh, for talk is over, uh, if uh, Bastian is the sword, uh, Matteo will be the shield, holding aloft uh, his uh, amulet, uh, I think he is going to uh, invoke a, a prayer of uh, Patnia Agrotera uh, and um, try to rebuff uh, this spirit using the the power of the gods. Uh, I'm going to use this non-Thean item to solve a problem. I'm I'm angling for. I think I'm switching to now intimidate. Like I want to uh, push it away, push it back, prevent it from coming closer. Um, yeah, so that'll be panache and intimidate. Captain Kirill's tattoos have spurred him to action. This cannot be ignored. Uh, the best action is always direct action. So he is going to commit to an extremely loud direct course of action. Uh, wrecking ball through the wall, grab the amphora, and turn it upside down and ah! just slam it over spear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Um, brawn and brawl, for sure. Are we affected by fear this round? Yes. I will most definitely spend a hero point to uh, assist Bastian as his shield uh, to give him four bonus dice. 
and I will spend a hero point as uh, the ever-reliable uh, Capitan Kirill, uh, and I engage in a close combat together for the second time, uh, giving him three more dice. Uh, excellent. Also, I receive hero point for Raz Rochetel. I've committed to direct action. I'm going to use two hero points. Uh, one for Wrecking Ball to get through wall, and one for Strength of 10 to really, really lift this M4. <laughs> it increases all of my dice values by five. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because he, he has five brawn. Wow. <laughs> uh, okay, let's roll. Uh, two raises for old Mateo. Uh, good brand. Three raises for good brand. Bastian. Uh, six raises for Bastian. And Kirill. Captain Kirill has ten raises and one remain. <laughs> Kirill, you have the initiative. Uh, as I burst through wall, I say, "Stand back!" Uh, commandingly to give hero point to all other heroes. <laughs> and then I spend ten raises to lift them for a. Turn upside down and slam on top of Spirit. <laughs> it's gonna do what it can. Uh, it sort of um, flattens out as much as it can against the the lip of the amphora, um, and you can you can hear it in there, sort of rattling around and like shaking the jar mm-hmm. or the, the amphora. I hold it down. Someone do something. <laughs> Bastion. Um, okay, well, uh, seeing as it is struggling to get inside this uh, amphora, I will uh, wield this large blade uh, and, and try to cut around the ground where the spirit seems to still be uh, trying to escape to try and apply pressure to it so that it, uh, if it tries to do anything but go inside that amphora, it will have to spend an additional race. And I spend one race to apply that pressure. You still have the initiative. Pressure is uh, now applied. All right, and in in the uh, uh, in the same act as I was applying the pressure, I will apply wounds <laughs> as I uh, do a slash maneuver to hurt the thing to let it really know it should go inside that amphora. <laughs> it does three wounds. Uh, so uh, you swing its uh, this giant weird knife sword thing, um, and uh, it contacts with the ground and like slides across a little bit. Uh, it's a little heavier than you thought. It's not very well balanced. And, uh, I think you are right. This is a steak knife. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as it contacts with the spirit, there's a bright flash of light and the amphora stops moving. Are we out of... Yeah, we're out of the scene. Then I... Yes, then I head over uh, with the amulet and I... Place the lid back on top of the M4. <sighs> we'll need to maybe put don't touch anything in writing and uh, clarify who and when and why we don't don't touch anything. I think that sentence needed clarification in the first place. <laughs> yes, well... <laughs> if we do not touch anything, we do not discover anything. No, that's true. Uh, we also maybe get to breathe sometimes. Yes, that was not entirely pleasant, I say, rubbing my chest. Well, this encounter with the dead has reminded me of something. (laughs) (laughs) The poem, 
the poem. Uh, oh, game with the poem. Listen, okay, just because you didn't listen to the poem the first time does not mean it still doesn't have great insight, uh, thanks to the translation, that we can take advantage of. Good, friend, good friend spends two hero points. He has uh, uh, two pieces of bread in each hand, and he snaps them both in half. Um, they both have the uh, galder of the Stortzmerka of iron. So you, I'm applying pressure to you both. I'm telling you both, shut up and let him read the poem out loud, <laughs> will you please? <laughs> if they both act in line with this pressure, they may heal wounds equal to their highest trait. Um, it also has the, I think it has to have a litet merka. The litet merka is that of iron. You may choose to gain a raise and uh, uh, gain wounds equal to your highest trait, but you, that's a choice. You don't have to do that. And if we do not act in accordance with this pressure? Uh, you gain a hero point. I will take the healing. I will... Uh, I will shut up and uh, turn this giant steak knife blade down and kind of lean on the handle. And, uh, and I will nod the good brand and go, uh, of course, Matteo, go right ahead. With a little less zest, now that I've been commanded to do it, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I say, they left for us sepulchres too with which to light the world anew. Sepulchres. We are looking for a sepulchre, obviously. Oh, yes, a thing we all know what it means. <laughs> Yes, good. It uh, no, is, a, is a tomb. Yes, a, a tomb much like uh, the one we encountered uh, the original icon in. I would guess it would be of a similar construction, if not placement. Yes. Uh, the only thing to consider is whether the sepulchre would come from the city center, which now I am thinking perhaps not. Although they do seem to store the dead in here in strange places. Yes, there are dead in a frightening number of uh, locations in this city. Now, we don't <coughs> need this amphora. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are not going to take it. Why would we take a, a dead spirit away from its resting place? Do you think that's a good idea after what just happened? It already doesn't like us. <laughs> well, it wasn't happy in its resting place. <laughs> it seemed it was I singing it, me a little song. I thought it was quite... Uh, it was very happy until we poured it until out. Until he poured it out. <laughs> I thought I was trying to free it or something, but no, it really likes that amphora. <laughs> I did not see any of that. Um, yes, perhaps we go down back to the fork and go down the other side. Uh, we can always come back to the city center and look through all of these buildings if we have to. Agreed. I think uh, that is best. So as um, you head back through uh, the city center... I, I hand the sword back to <laughs> Goodbrand. This is very heavy. It's kind of a pain to carry, isn't it? Yeah, I'm surprised I was able to wield it. <laughs> you did very well. I was impressed. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not balanced for fighting. <laughs> As uh, as uh, you make your way back to the fork uh, in order to take the left fork and uh, as you reach uh, the fork in order to go down this final path, that's where we'll end our session. Oh, Captain Carroll is getting too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> or is he? <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by John Wick Presents. 7C is a trademark of John Wick Presents. For more information, go to www.johnwickpresents.com.